Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Latest controversial moment removed from the WWE Network, major impact wrestling rating confusion for the final episode on Tuesday night, and I take you through the second to last Wednesday night war. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode, and remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com, and if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was the Wednesday Night Wars between WWE NXT and AEW Dynamite. But before we get into that, let's check out our news. Latest controversial moment removed from the WWE Network on Peacock. Reportedly, the segment from July 6th episode of Monday Night Raw in 1998, where D-Generation X mocks the Nation of Domination faction, has been removed from the WWE Network. This is where uh, most of the DX members dressed up in blackface to mock the Nation of Domination. Uh, this comes after WWE removed the moment from Survivor Series in 2005 when Vince McMahon said a major racial slur in a backstage segment and another backstage segment match uh, from WrestleMania 6 between Roddy Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown where Roddy Roddy Piper had half his body covered in uh, blackface at that point. So, um, you know, they're going through the motions, Peacock, and they just don't want that. That's what you, you sort of give and take when you, you know, you sell away to another uh, company in NBC Universal, uh, they don't, they're, what they want on their platform is what they want. They paid a billion dollars for it, so they're going to get whatever they, they bought, you know, and they, they're going to be able to do whatever they want with it. For us as fans, it, is it getting rid of, quote unquote, getting rid of moments from history? Yes, it is. But at the same time, uh, you know, we really have no say at this point, given that they paid a billion dollars for this content. Major impact wrestling ratings confusion for the final episode on Tuesday night. Uh, There was a a lot of confusion regarding this, so I really want to talk about it. Um, I don't really talk about ratings that much, to be honest with you, because, you know, you could find those anywhere. You don't really need me to tell those to, that to you. But there's so much confusion about it. I feel like I should just let it be known what exactly went down. So it was originally reported that uh, the Tuesday episode, the final Tuesday episode for Impact only drew 38,000 viewers uh, with a 0.01 rating from the 18 to 49 demographic. And this was a 78,000 viewership drop-off, which, you know, I couldn't wrap my head around because there's no way the Elite Eight or something like that knocked down uh, Impact 78,000 viewers. I thought that might have been a little way too much and it was way off the norm if something had to be wrong there. But a correct number has been reported by PW Insider. Uh, the correct number is now at 1,048 thousand viewers for the final Tuesday episode, bringing them actually up on the week. So they actually improved instead of drastically dropping off. So um, yeah, good way to go out on a Tuesday night. And I I didn't want Impact to get that stigma of of failing on their last Tuesday episode as well, because it was a good episode. It's just a shame that that this viewership uh, thing got messed up by Nielsen. So now you know. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that that was confirmed for everybody, that everyone knew the right idea there, that they're actually up on the week instead of being a complete drop-off of 78,000 uh, viewers, pretty much. But no, they're up. 
We're going to get right into our show reviews for last night's AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmers features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDE20, all caps, at manscaped.com at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's get right into AEW Dynamite and starting off the show on a very strong note, Christian Cage versus Frankie Kazarian. To open the show with this, I thought it was a little surprising, but hey, no better way to start off the night where you click on AEW, like, oh, Christian Cage, why not? And I think that probably got a lot of people to stay tuned throughout the rest of the show uh, because they're so surprised with Christian Cage being the opening match. Uh, Christian starting off strong until rocked in the mouth by Krizarian. Uh Cage sent to the outside multiple times, forcing himself to gather. Cage picks up the pace, not afraid to bounce around the ring. Uh, Kazarian looking real good in this match as well, maybe a little bit too good against Christian Cage. Uh, Cage connects with the kill switch and wins, but and he wins the match, but he, he was put to the test in this one for sure, without a doubt. And I, in my opinion, does this make Christian Cage look stronger? No. I think I made him look a little bit more weaker given the fact that he had such a test of fortitude against Christian against Frankie Kazarian that for him to pretty much barely squeak by versus Kazarian and for him to even think about talking to Kenny Omega about being in that title picture is an absolute joke at that point. And, and I'm going to say it here, and not in a mean way, and not, and not in a way that should make Christian Cage look bad, but he looks old. He looks older in a way that, you know, obviously he's seven years away from the ring and his first match back really in front of a, a, a national audience and everything like that. And does he look old? Yeah, he doesn't look like how he used to back in 2014. That That's an honest statement. But he looks old in a sense where he's just not moving around like how he used to. Is this a bad thing? Maybe. I, I Am I going to say yes? I, I, don't, I don't think I will because it's not fair to Christian Cage for me to say yes at that point. But it's not like we're seeing a guy that, you know, took seven years off and now back in right in spry shape. You know, he, he looks like he, he went through the ringer in this match. And if this that if that was what they're going for, then they nailed it right in the head. But uh, I, I they're assuming Christian Cage is supposed to be in the AEW title picture given the fact that he held up that belt uh, when he got into a confrontation with Omega. So if he's going in that direction right now, that first match really didn't do him a lot of favors because Frankie Kazarian looked really, really good, to be honest with you. And our next match, Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. This was an exhibition match. Arn Anderson was the special guest referee. Solid wrestling performance throughout. Uh, starts to get a little chippy as QT attacks the shoulder of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes out wrestling QT Marshall, letting go of the crossroads, even though he could have connected. Uh, QT Marshall has to regather himself outside of the ring, and then once brought in uh, by Cody, Cody Rhodes, who's like, you know, sitting on the ropes, waving him back into the ring. QT Marshall entered the ring and strikes Arn Anderson with a hard right. He then runs away onto the top of the entrance ramp or the, the entrance stage, and then QT Marshall tells Aaron Solo, Nick Camarado, and Anthony Ogogo to attack the rest of the Nightmare family. It was a trap. Uh, QT Marshall pile drives Dustin Rhodes onto the steel steps, and then Red Velvet saves Cody Rhodes from a concerto onto the steel steps. Uh, another faction, I'm guessing at this point, 
of where the Nightmare family, uh, you know, splits up. Not splits up, but, you know, we had some inside moles on the Nightmare family in the Nightmare factory. And then we get another faction here. And this is another uh, feud for Cody Rhodes to, to run through, even though he, you know, he can't run uh, for the AEW championship. He can't do that, given a stipulation from way back. So... Um, uh, am I happy to see another faction? I don't know anymore with AEW. We feel like we're seeing all faction wrestling because it's an AFW, not AEW. It's just, I feel like it's going to become too much. I still feel like it's going to become too much. I'm waiting for that one pay-per-view that they're going to hold or one show that they're going to have on a Dynamite on a Wednesday where it's like, oh, we're having all the factions go against each other in a tournament or whatever, whatever. you know, because at this point they're making so many, that's what they can kind of do at this point. They have a lot of factions and a lot of stories going on along with faction lines that I feel like it's a lot. And when it's good, it's good. Like we're going to see later on tonight with Inner Circle and, and Pinnacle. But it, when, when it's something like this that, yeah, I feel like it, once again, it's kind of forced. Uh, I it, it's just, it throws me off a little bit, but I'll move on. Uh, John Moxley versus Cesar Bononi with Ryan Nemeth ringside. Uh, Moxley dominate until an ankle is grabbed by Nemeth. Nemeth hit with a paradigm shift later on in the match. A real naked choke by Moxley into uh, onto Bononi for the win. Uh, not a squash match, but a strong and fast win for John Moxley. Eh, good to see him on Dynamite TV. I will say that. MJF and the Pinnacle. Pinnacle are getting new stylist and a new interior designer for their locker room that they took over from the inner circle. Uh, MJF says he's going to clean out this bathroom and he opens the door and then all of the inner circle is in there uh, besides uh, Jake Hager and <laughs> he closed the door. He's like, we got to go. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Absolutely hilarious. I liked how the inner circle didn't attack him right then and there. It's like the, the he opened the door. They're all in there. And he's like, oh, all right, got to close the door there. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, MJF tries to run out the front door, but Jake Hager is there standing at the front door, so they're absolutely trapped inside their dressing room. Inner circle attack uh, from from that bathroom that they all came out of. And each I thought this was a great attack as well because it wasn't like it was just a full-on melee brawl. It was each person had a person that they were brawling with, and something bad happened to them specifically. So, so Sean Spears was attacked by... Sammy Guevara, and he had his head crushed in a doorway. Wardlow was attacked by Jake Hager and thrown into a massage table. FGR was beaten up by uh, Santana Ortiz, and uh, I think Dax Hardwood even had his, his head busted open uh, legitimately, and uh, he had stitches thrown on his head we saw later on in the night. And then MJF was uh, thrown through uh, a, a fridge, <laughs> you know, the fridge that they have, all the Pepsi cans in there, stuff like that. And he was even had his head dunked in a toilet by Chris Jericho. And then Inner Circle take back their dressing room. They even put their little uh, name tag on the on the doorway. So it's their dressing room once again. Uh, fantastic segment. Fantastic segment and great storytelling there. Uh, I still can't get over MJF opening the door, seeing Chris Jericho there in all black, holding his hands like in a you know holding his fist in his hand, ready to beat up MJF. But they don't do anything when he opens the door. Just like oh. There they are. So I, I thought that was absolutely fantastic and a really nice segment there from both the Pinnacle and Inner Circle. Next match, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers uh, take on Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros. Uh, Don Callis on commentary for this one. Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros dominant with flips on at the start of the match uh, before even the match got underway. Uh, they, were, they were beating up uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. But the Good Brothers cut the ring in half with uh, Laredo Kid uh, stuck on their side. Lucha Bros find their way back into the match. Chaos ensues, and Kenny Omega hits the one-wing angel to win the match 
for the himself and the Good Brothers. John Moxley enters with the Young Bucks, and Omega and the Good Brothers run away, and a match is made for next week with uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers taking on the Young Bucks and John Moxley. As I said earlier, I do not want to see any more John Moxley Kenny Omega feud. Their feud should be long gone for at this point, especially given the fact that they together are you know, no longer, they, they had their death match, so that should be the end of the line. The death match is literally the pinnacle of what you can reach in a match uh, stipulation in order for a rivalry to end. For them to have another match, let's say if they ever have a singles match again, I'll forever trash it. I don't care how good the match is, I'll forever trash it because they had their death match. They should not be facing each other for the next two, three years at this point. Next match, the Bunny and Nyla Rose take on Hikaru Shida and Ty Conti. Shida dominant until distracted by Matt Hardy and attacked by Nyla Rose. Dark Order brawls with Matt Hardy's uh, organization or family, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they brawl on the outside. Bunny hits Conti with Shida's kendo stick to win the match after Vicky Guerrero's distraction. Uh, this was a quick match, but this one was, was fun. Uh, good to see the Bunny involved in a lot more than just uh, being ringside and not really getting involved in matches. So now really getting more involved. That's something Matt Hardy has done well here. And Ty Conti just looks great. She continues to look great. I really, really am a super-duper fan of, of Ty Conti. Uh, some people argue, and I might even argue, this is WWE-type booking. You're putting the champion with... Uh, the number one challenger for the belt with Intai Conti in this case. So you could sort of look at it like that. And, uh, you know, it's fair to acknowledge it in that sense. And I trash WWE a lot for that. If, but they've done it so many times in a row that it, it's so prevalent. Like, we're even seeing it now. We saw it with uh, it with uh, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. And now we're going to see it with Asuka and Rhea Ripley. So it, it it's so much with the WWE. They do it so often that... Uh, now seeing it in AEW, does it leave a sour taste? Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, but they don't do it as much as WWE, not as blatant at this point, so I'll give them a slight pass. Slight pass, maybe not a full. Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy versus Miro and Kip Sabin in the main event, and the main event stipulation, Arcade Anarchy. They did a fantastic job setting up ringside with uh, both real and fake uh, arcade uh you know, the, the, the arcade sets, like the arcade the stanchions, if you will, that you would see in a real arcade. So that was nice. They also had a prize rack on the wall with weapons that, you know, I wish they, <laughs> you had to hit a certain amount of moves to be able to use the weapon. That would have been funny. But uh, either either way, they're just ripping the weapons off the wall, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, Taylor and Cassie jumped the, the bell and attacked Mira and Sabin. Cassidy hit Sabin with a whack-a-mole mallet. Cassie uh, thrown into a steel chair by Miro. Uh, Chuck Taylor jumps off of an arcade machine. A ton of fantastic spots throughout this match. Taylor and Cassidy pile objects onto Miro, trying to neutralize him out of the match. Sabin powerbombs Taylor onto a pile of Legos, not thumbtacks, Legos, which is a fun spot. Because, you know, it's a fun match. They're supposed to be having fun with it. And Legos, you know, you could act the same as thumbtacks, if you will. But uh, definitely not, probably a hurt. Uh, somewhat, but maybe not as much as thumbtacks. You gotta pull them all out. Uh, Penelope Ford pulls Aubrey Edwards out of the ring to stop the pinfall, and Chris Statlander, of all people, appears from the claw machine to attack Ford and sends her through a hockey table ringside, which I thought was fantastic. Great to see her back from injury. I believe she had an ACL injury, and now she's back. Good for her. Uh, Trent returns with his mom, Sue. Uh, Trent sends Miro through a table. Taylor sends Sabin through the 
stage to pick up the win. Great to see the full band back together and with a feel-good way to end the night. And a lot of people appreciate this because we spend a lot of time and effort watching professional wrestling. And for a big payoff like this to finally come, this really brings it full circle. This is AEW not only showing the, the big hug on screen, but giving us a hug as well. Saying, like, thank you for watching. Here, here's your kind of your gift here at this point for watching and you know you get to see uh, Statlander come back you get to see Trent come back after watching for so long and you get this big moment it was really really nice really really put together at a great point and a great arcade anarchy match and it says it's the first time you ever really seen anything like this ever in, in professional wrestling at this point especially on AEW where you know this gimmick match really working over well and uh, sometimes we see gimmick matches in WWE that don't work over so well you know we had the musical you know stuff all around ringside and yeah it's fun but it doesn't really have that same flavor and this one you feel like you know all these guys are kind of gamers in a way we see it all the time and and for, for them to now put this all together, I thought they did a really, really good job and a really fun way to end the show. Really saying thank you to the fans in, in that sense. We're going to head into the break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the go-home show to NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver on uh, yesterday's episode of WWE NXT. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on April 1st, 1990, WWF presented WrestleMania 6 from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, best known for the Ultimate Warrior defeating Hulk Hogan to win the WWF Championship and to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Uh, just so you know, uh, as I go through this, there's going to be a lot of WrestleManias on this, so I believe I have, uh, there was this one on this day. Uh, the, the WrestleMania 6, and then there's three more, so be emotionally prepared to hear about a lot of WrestleManias. On April 1st, 2001, WWF presented WrestleMania X7 from the Astrodome in Houston, Texas. Arguably one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. Kurt Angle defeating Chris Benoit, Shane McMahon defeating Vince McMahon in a street fight, Edge and Christian defeating the Dudley Boys and Hardy Boys in a tables, ladders, and chair match to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. Arguably one of the greatest uh, TLC matches of all time but that could be argued but during that attitude era uh, you know all those TLC matches were fantastic uh, gimmick battle royale um, so you know they had all the gimmicks from back in the day come back and have a battle royale which was absolutely fun uh, Undertaker defeating Triple H uh, to extend the streak and Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating The Rock in a no disqualifications match to win the WWF championship post match Austin shook hands with Vince McMahon thus turning heel on April 1st 2007 WWE presented WrestleMania 23 from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan, best known for Mr. Kennedy winning a fantastic Money in the Bank ladder match, Chris Benoit defeating uh, MVP to retain the WWE United States Championship, Undertaker defeating Batista to win the World Heavyweight Championship, but still a match that sticks out in my ma mind uh, between Undertaker and Batista, B prime Batista, prime Batista, and arguably, arguably prime Undertaker as well, getting into that, uh, you know, like a fighter gimmick, if you will, uh, as the dead man, the lone, the lone gunslinger at that time. Bobby Lashley defeating Umaga in the Battle of the Billionaires. Hair versus hair match. Stone Cold Steve Austin was a special guest ref referee. With the win, Donald Trump's hair was spared, but Vince McMahon was forced to lose it. Uh, though both Lashley and Umaga were champions at the time. Uh, Lashley, the ECW champion, Umaga, inter intercontinental champion. Neither title was on the line. This was just for the hair of the billionaire. Crazy to see Donald Trump involved in that in that sense. Even uh, dishing out a, a clothesline. To, to Vince, and also uh, receiving a stunner from uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, which has become a, a fantastic gif uh, as of recent. 
And in the main event, John Cena defeating Shawn Michaels to retain the WWE Championship. Fantastic match between Cena and Michaels. On April 1st, 2012, WWE presented WrestleMania 28 from Sun Life Stadium in Miami, Florida. The Undertaker defeated Triple H in a Hell in a Cell match. Shawn Michaels was a special guest referee. Then uh, the win gave Undertaker his 20th WrestleMania win without a defeat. Uh, this was a fantastic, fantastic Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Triple H. A lot of people thought that this was going to be the time where Undertaker finally lost the streak but continued the streak. Uh, even after receiving a pedigree and a sweet chin music from uh, both Triple H and Shawn Michaels and still being able to move on. Fantastic match. CM Punk defeating Chris Jericho by submission to retain the WWE Championship. And the once-in-a-lifetime match, The Rock versus John Cena, uh, with The Rock winning that match. But the once-in-a-lifetime match that actually turned out to be twice-in-a-lifetime as we saw the same match at WrestleMania 29. Let's talk about some NXT, the go-home show for uh, NXT TakeOver Stand and Liver. Night started off strong with Roderick Strong uh, taking on, no pun intended there, Roderick Strong taking on Cameron Grimes. Grimes tries to buy the intellectual property of the Undisputed Era, showing off a new t-shirt and music. Strong attacks Grimes prior to the match because of that. A strong struggling to wrestle as his emotions are overtaking him back and forth. Offense with both trying for pinfall attempts. Grimes pulls out a UE or Undisputed Era armband from his tights, but drops it as he's slammed by Strong. Strong is distracted by the UE armband, allowing for the cave-in by Grimes to pick up the win. A great job there by Grimes trying to incorporate all this Undisputed Era stuff involved into uh, this whole story along with Roderick Strong. Uh, bothering Strong so much from a standpoint of a, it was such a big part of his past, Undisputed Era, that he can't even look forward because of it. Even though he has a new gear and a new music and all that stuff, uh, trying to look forward is so difficult, especially when it's thrown in the face of him by, by Cameron Grimes. Roderick Strong actually leaves uh, the NXT Performance Center or WWE, uh, the, the Capital One uh, Center, uh, after this match and not participating in the Battle Royal later on in the night. Santos Escobar versus Tyler Breeze. Escobar offers an open challenge. Breeze accepts. Back and forth early on with action falling outside. Uh, very early and often. Uh, Breeze attacking Legado del Fantasma ringside and Breeze attacking the left knee of Santos Escobar as well. Escobar finds an opening to hit the Phantom Driver to win. Legado does Fantasma goes to attack Breeze, but MSK makes the re their return and saves. Uh, and the Grizzly Young veterans appear on the screen, uh, claiming to be the next NXT Tag Team Champions. I can't wait for the match between uh, those three teams, Legado del Fantasma, MSK, and the Grizzled Young veterans. That's going to be at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Should be a fantastic match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Champions Championships that were dropped by... Uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lurkin uh, after uh, Birch's injury. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, up in the air stuff uh, when it comes down to because no one really knows who's going to win that match. It could be MSK, could be Grizzly Young Vets. I'm not really sure with Legado del Fantasma if it's going to be them, but I think it's between MSK and Grizzly Young Vets for me. Uh, I'll make my true prediction during the prediction video uh, coming up uh, later in the week. Uh, the Way versus uh, Gigi Dolan and uh, Zeta Ramir, I believe her name was pronounced as. It's, it's, her name was changed. Uh, her name was supposed to be something else, but she was uh, came now into this uh, NXT fold as Zeta Ramir. And she was actually trained by Booker T coming into this. Uh, she was one of the new signees uh, or the new uh, uh, recruiting class for uh, uh, the NXT Performance Center, if you will. 
Uh, Hartwell and Larray allowing for some good offensive moments for their opponents, but a wicked stepsister and elbow drop from Larray and Hartwell, respectively, win them the match. Post-match promo, by the way, challenging for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Blackheart and Moon enter on their tank, and they accept the match for TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Uh, getting all the titles involved. They're making this NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver their WrestleMania at this point, uh, especially given the fact it's a two-night event. Might as well get everybody involved as much as possible. Zoe Starks versus Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai ringside. Io Shirai and Gonzalez uh, brawling backstage prior to the match. Gonzalez uh, standing tall and walked away unharmed. Uh, Starks getting a little to no offense early on. Starks able to pick up the pace, sending Gonzalez to the outside and into the ring post. And after being attacked by Kai, Starks sends Kai over the barricade. So great effort there by Starks, a cleaning house at that point. Uh, Starks did have a great effort throughout this whole match as a whole, but a one-arm powerbomb seals the deal, giving Gonzalez the win. Uh, I say poor Starks here because even though she's being involved in a lot of great matches in this one and, and, and throughout her run in NXT so far and her short run at that, her last three matches have been fantastic, I believe, against uh, Shirai. I think she had one against Kai and now one against Gonzalez. Uh, she's had some great matches. She just hasn't been able to pick up the win yet, but she's going against real talent. So you're putting her on the same level as all these top stars, but she hasn't been able to get that win yet. I'm uh, waiting on what top star she'll be able to get that win against so uh big questions there but but i'm excited to see what's going to happen with the uh, starks because they're definitely putting her on a, on a pedestal there at least uh in the singles uh market for for, for zoe starks uh, shirai and gonzalez brawl after the match with gonzalez standing tall once again uh, Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Car Carter versus Zia Lee. And Zia Lee was supposed to be in a tag team match, but she came out alone. Uh, Lee forced to gather being dominated early on. Carter notices Mei Ying standing. Uh, Carter goes to confront Ying and is grabbed by the throat, passing her out. It was described as a death grip. The distraction allows Lee to take advantage and pick up the win over Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter, winning that handicap match. Uh, but obviously due to the assist of Mei Ying. So... Uh, good match there, and uh, I, I'm excited to see what is the next for Xia Lee because this Casey Catanzaro and Kid and Carter stuff, yes, it's fun, and it calls back to the past a little bit, but I think we're kind of past that now at this point, so I want to see what's forward for her. Io Shirai attacks again. Shirai attacking again and fails once again. Uh, she's actually was thrown through like a, a sheet wall by Raquel Gonzalez and at this point booking herself to retain the title at Stand and Deliver because we all know how this goes. Uh, it might be a little bit different on NXT but usually how this goes is the person that gets beat up the most on the way to the match ends up winning the match at the pay-per-view. So usually that's that's the, the story that is run with but as we see later in the night things could be changed. Uh, we're going to get into the Gauntlet Eliminator Qualifying Battle Royale. So the last six in this Gauntlet match at will be at the match at Stand and Deliver. So if you're eliminated early on in the match, uh, and this is a battle royal, so everyone's in the match at the same time, so it's not like the Royal Rumble where you've come out early, you have the disadvantage. No, you sort of have, it's all even, it's a battle royal. So, and the order eliminated, once you get down to that final six, is the order of the gauntlet match. So if you get eliminated, if you, there are six people left and then you're the first one eliminated out of those six, you're going to be the first one to enter the gauntlet match. So uh, they did a fun job there describing it. They even had a way Barrett in the ring describing it as well uh, prior to the match. So everyone had a complete understanding. 
and they did a good job throughout as well. Leon Ruff and Swear Squat brawl before the match even gets underway. Jake Atlas eliminated first and with the assist of Bivens. Tyler Russ eliminated next. Austin Theory does get thrown to the outside over the top rope, but he lands on his back with his feet up in the air, but he does a kip up on the outside causing him to be eliminated. I thought that was very funny. Kushida and Pete Dunne were both eliminated at the same time, each eliminating themselves uh, by falling over the top rope as they brawled between each other. Uh, we, we are going to see a match at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver between Kushida and Pete Dunne. Should be a fantastic wrestling match there. Bronson Reed, LA Knight, Leon Ruff, Swerve Scott, and Cameron Grimes, and Dexter Loomis, let me not forget him, are the last six remaining. Johnny Gargano joins commentary uh, throughout the middle of that match. Ruff and Swerve Scott are both eliminated by Reed, meaning that at the start of the match for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, at least on night one, it's going to be Ruff and Swerve Scott starting the gauntlet match. Dexter Loomis, who hasn't moved from his corner all match, assists and eliminated Bronson Reed, so Reed would be entered third. Grimes tries to buy his way into a victory but fails and is eliminated, so Grimes will be fourth. Dexter Loomis and LA Knight are the last two. Loomis pulled down to the floor after Knight was thrown through the rope, so uh, Loomis was over the top rope. And Knight was on the outside of the ring, but was through, it didn't go over the top rope, so he was still legal in the match. But even though uh, Loomis was over the top rope, he was pulled out by his feet and thrown onto the ground. So LA Knight will be entered last into the gauntlet match, and Loomis will be entered fifth, winning this uh, great battle royale. I thought it was very, very nice. And they had a ton of storylines in it as well. It wasn't like you threw 12 guys together and say, here, go have fun, go, go duke it out. No, you had full storylines throughout this whole battle royale. Really, really nice and really well done. And then to end the night, which I thought was a little odd, Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez brawl for it seems like the thousandth time throughout the show. A Shirai and Gonzalez brawl, but this time Shirai gets the upper hand. And maybe Gonzalez does win after all in this match. So a lot of brawling between the two. And uh, to me, it, it kind of felt repetitive. Then it felt uh, like anxiousness. And I don't know, it just wasn't my cup of tea, especially to end the night in that way. I guess you sort of do need to end it for a major championship on NXT. and But for them to just be continuously brawling throughout the night, it did leave me with kind of a sour taste. If you enjoyed it, I think it's fine if you enjoyed it. But it was just a little odd. I think it was just a little odd to see the... Especially after Gonzalez got the upper hand all three times. And then Io Shirai just keeps on coming back for more and more and more. I guess it's commendable for Shirai, but also kind of dumb. and Especially since you have your match coming up in, in two weeks' time. So a little odd. A little odd. Uh... On, on a personal note, I finally finished my notebook that I, I've been writing all my notes in. If you hear, you, you listen to the podcast, you hear me turning pages, but that's me going through my notebook. I finally finished it, and it finished, uh, on, so I started uh, February 8th, that's when the podcast started February 9th, and I've gone through this whole book, 200-page notebook, and now I finally reached the end of it on March 31st. So a big, big moment for me. Big moment for me. I have two more notebooks that are exactly the same. So we'll see how long it gets to, to get through those. But big moment for Jaden. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that. I just wanted to let you know that I'm proud of that as well. All right, let's get into the final grades. And this is the second to last Wednesday Night War. And I'm going to have to give the victory here to this one in AEW. I'm going to give AEW a B plus show. And I'm going to give I'm going to give NXT takeovers. Um, excuse me, not NXT TakeOver, the NXT TakeOver Go Home Show, I'm going to give that, that a B-. minus. So, nothing again. I, I thought it was solid, but at the same time, the only thing that really held on to me here for this one was the Roger Strong match with Cameron Grimes and also 
uh, the uh, the main event in the, the Gauntlet Battle Royal. And uh, it was all fun. It was fun, but I'm definitely going to have to give it to AEW, especially after that Anarchy, Arcade Anarchy match. And then giving that those two returns and then the Inner Circle return as well. It was just great. Fantastic show from AEW. They definitely put on a great one. And uh, I'm excited to see them alone on, on Wednesday nights what they're going to be able to do. But next week is, a, is, I feel like this was kind of the true test, if you will, because next week, if NXT wins in the ratings, they're winning with an NXT takeover. They're not winning with their with their show. So I'm I'm giving AEW the victory here, and uh, I'm 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 happy with that because at the end of the day, who's the one staying on Wednesday nights? It's AEW. So good go for them. They definitely put on a fantastic show. Looking on to our next episode today is NXT UK. Uh, this is going to be the last NXT UK I'm going to be covering, so uh, let, let's all mourn the moment. Let's all mourn the moment, and this is because uh, Impact is making their move to Thursdays, and there's no reason for me to do uh, Impact and NXT UK on the same episode. It, it, it's always I felt like it was a stretch for me always to do NXT and AEW on the same show, but they're so both fantastic, fantastic shows. I have to do both. Nothing against NXT UK. It's just it's not worth to do NXT UK and Impact Wrestling at the same time. So. This is the last one, so I hope we enjoy it. I hope we got a good one for NXT UK, especially when they have an NXT UK prelude coming up soon, uh, which is uh, always a fun thing to look at for NXT UK, getting back into the rhythm of uh, putting on bigger shows than just the NXT UK itself. But that's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and using the code FANSIDE20 at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBecker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.